0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the May 5th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Fols with Floyd, Scaron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our weekly report. Former Pacific Hospital owner Michael Drabot pleaded guilty to federal charges that authorities say may be the largest of its kind in California history. Drabot is scheduled to be sentenced in December. He faces 10 years in federal prison. Drebaux is accused of paying kickbacks of 10 dollars to $15,000 to doctors who referred patients to Pacific Hospital for spinal surgeries. Drebaux paid for the kickbacks by overcharging for the reimbursable costs of spinal hardware used in the surgeries. The activities may have led to as much as $500 million worth of fraudulent claims mostly filed through the state's workers' compensation system. Federal officials have not filed charges against anyone else who may have broken the law as part of the conspiracy. The Drabo case is related to corruption cases that have been filed against State Senator Ron Calderon and his brother, former Assemblyman Tom Calderon. Drabo has told federal officials that he bribed Ron Calderon in order to keep the law on the books that made it possible to seek inflated reimbursements for spinal hardware. The FBI has also accused Ron Calderon of taking bribes from undercover agents. He has pleaded not guilty to all charges filed against him. Tom Calderon has also pleaded not guilty to charges of conspiracy and money laundering for allegedly helping his brother commit crimes. Drabo is said to be cooperating with an expanding federal investigation. Pacific Hospital is now called College Medical Center. Santa Fe Springs based College Health Enterprises owns the facility and has hired Molina Healthcare Affiliate to operate it. And in legislative news, the state Senate approved a measure that would give families of deceased firefighters and police officers more time to file for workers' compensation death benefits. This bill provides an extension for dependents if the death resulted from cancer tuberculosis, methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, known as MRSA, skin infections, or bloodborne infectious disease. This extension is for up to 420 weeks from the date of injury, but in no case more than one year from the date of death. This bill, if, if passed, will expire on January 1, 2019. According to analysts, this bill results in an increase in workers' compensation costs related to state employees who are firefighters and peace officers. The specific impacted state departments are the Department of Forestry and Fire Protection and the California Highway Patrol. The amount of the increase is not known. The bill is supported by a host of public employee unions and opposed by the California Association of Joint Powers Authorities, the State Association of Counties, the County of Los Angeles, the Excess Insurance Agency League of California Cities, and the Rural County Representatives of California, among others. Opponents argue that this bill will increase costs on medical, on local governments and counties at a time when budgets are limited. Opponents also say that the recent National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health study only noted increases in some cancers, while the existing workers' compensation presumption covers all cancers. The bill now goes back to the Assembly for a vote on amendments. Governor Jerry Brown vetoed a similar measure last year, but this year changes have been made to the proposed law to address the governor's concerns. Governor Brown has appointed 51-year-old Catherine Zalewski of Richmond, California, to the Workers' Compensation Appeals Board. Zalewski has served as chief counsel at the California Department of Industrial Relations since 2012. Before that, she was a special advisor in the Division of Workers' Compensation Administrative Director's Office. And before that, she was a trial judge in the WCAB's San Francisco District Office. In her private practice, Ms. Zelowski has represented insurers and self-insured employers in workers' compensation matters throughout Northern California. Judge Zelowski received her B.A. from the University of California, Berkeley, in 1983 and her J.D. from Hastings College of Law in 1986. This position requires Senate confirmation, and the compensation is about $130,000 a year. The Department of Industrial Relations has released a 102-page report on ambulatory surgical services prepared by the RAND Corporation. Senate Bill 863 requires the DIR to study the feasibility of establishing a facility fee for Medicare's inpatient-only procedures, performed in an ambulatory surgical center. At present, Medicare does not have a fee schedule for these procedures when performed in outpatient settings. The study's key recommendations are to retain current OMFS policies with regard to inpatient-only procedures performed in an ambulatory setting and to strengthen patient protections when procedures are performed in an ambulatory setting. Medicare has several requirements for patient protection that are not found in the minimum accreditation requirements for physician-owned facilities that are not Medicare certified. These include accepting only patients who are likely to require less than 24 hours stay, assuring appropriate post-discharge arrangements are made, and providing the patient with written disclosure of any financial interest between the surgical center and the physician. Data analyses and review of the medical literature do not provide strong support for removing any procedures from the inpatient-only list, with the possible exception of procedures related to anterior cervical spinal fusions. Rand concluded that the less problematic approach would be to build on the current OMFS for outpatient services. A voluminous report on state and Canadian province workers' compensation benefits was issued by the Workers' Compensation Research Institute and the International Association of Industrial Accident Boards and Commissions. The disparity between California and other states in permanent partial disability benefits was particularly evident and could fuel the capital's perennial political jousting over workers' compensation costs and benefits. The debate almost always focuses on the permanent partial aspect of the multi-billion dollar program because it is the most prevalent and cumulatively most expensive of the various benefits. Roughly once a decade, the California legislature overhauls the multi billion dollar system, and it, la- and it last occurred in 2012 as employers and labor unions combined forces. SB 863, the 2012 bill, raised cash benefits but tightened other aspects of the program enough to theoretically offset the cost of the benefit increase. Even so, it set a $290 per year maximum this year for workers deemed to have permanent partial disabilities in California. The new report indicates that this rate is lower than those of all but two other states, Alabama and Rhode Island. Permanent partial benefits are as high as $1,441 per week in Washington, D.C., and $1,419 a week in Iowa. And in medical news, researchers have succeeded in coaxing the regeneration of muscle tissue lost in people who suffered traumatic injuries with a new type of treatment that uses material from a pig's bladder. Implanting the pig material at the wound site enticed the patient's own stem cells To become muscle cells and regenerate tissue that had been lost. The experimental study was small involving only five male patients, but results suggested that this procedure could offer new hope to patients including troops who suffered major war injuries who have scant good treatment options currently. All five patients in the study, including two U.S. soldiers hurt by bombs planted by insurgents, had badly damaged leg muscles. The research was backed by $3 million in funding from the U.S. Defense Department. Thousands of American troops have been left with serious physical impairments after sustaining wounds involving major loss of muscle tissue since 2001 and the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. While a large amount of muscle is lost in traumas, the body is unable to replace it and the site forms scar tissue that lacks the functionality of lost muscle. Existing treatments include surgery to remove scar tissue or to replace it with muscle from somewhere else in the body. But these methods do not yield satisfying results and are hard on the patients. This study, published in the journal Science Translational Medicine, demonstrated for the first time the regeneration of functional muscle tissue in people with major muscle loss. Mole Medicine is helping chronic pain patients cope with and manage their condition thanks to new smartphone apps. The new apps can track patients from a distance and monitor pain, mood, physical activity, drug side effects, and treatment compliance. These smartphone apps are helping the shrinking ranks of pain specialists treat and monitor rapidly increasing populations of chronic pain sufferers. Today, the ratio is one pain specialist for every 10,000 patients. But mobile technology improves access to health care, contains costs, and improves clinical outcomes. Experts presented results of research on smartphone apps at the American Pain Society annual meeting. Studies found that internet-based cognitive behavioral therapy could significantly decrease pain levels, improve function, and decrease costs compared to standard care. Online networks can also promote communication, information sharing, self-expression, and social support. Networks also decrease feelings of withdrawn behavior and instill a greater willingness to return for treatment. Electronic diaries maintained by patients are more effective than paper diaries for evaluating pain levels, daily activities, treatment compliance, and mood. Although few studies have been conducted on text messaging as a pain management tool, texting has proven to be effective for managing patients with diabetes, hypertension, asthma, smoking cessation, and weight loss. A key feature of the pain management app is daily pain tracking in which patients are asked five questions about their pain, activity, sleep, mood, and overall status on a sliding scale of 1 to 10. Should pain ratings significantly increase from baseline or reach 9 or 10, The patient gets an immediate response from the pain specialist has been contacted. The pain management smartphone app can deliver non-pharmacological cognitive behavioral treatment as well as prompt patients to stay active, comply with therapy, and develop pain coping skills. The smartphone data can also be summarized and transmitted every day into the patient's electronic medical record. The Traveler's Insurance Company will more than double its network of patented concierge-claim nurse sites to 30 locations across the United States. This will help facilitate convenient access to the personal assistance of a traveler's nurse to guide injured workers through the workers' compensation process. Placing a traveler's nurse in a care provider's clinic makes it easier for patients to focus on their treatment and return to work. Travelers says the nurse helps patients understand the workers' compensation system, reviews their diagnosis and treatment plan, and assists with referrals and other components of the care regimen. Concierge claim nurse is part of Travelers' medical advantage. This multifaceted program aims to manage medical costs across all casualty lines of business, including workers' compensation, general liability, and auto. Travelers initially conducted a pilot of the NURSE program in 2010 and steadily opened additional sites in recent years in order to assess the model's long-term sustainability and effectiveness. Early results achieved in the first phase of the program were impressive, including a 24% quicker return to work time for injured employees, a 29% increase in the use of network care providers, and 5% reduction in lost costs for employers. And in other news, the California DWC and Maximus Federal Services invite all interested parties to attend a one-hour webinar on the independent bill review process. This webinar is set for May 13th from 10 to 11 o'clock a.m. In case you cannot attend, the Warcom Academy will post a recorded version for online students. The seminar provides attendees with key information related to the IBR process, including but not limited to an explanation of the current IBR workflow. Space is limited and pre-registration is required to attend this free meeting. The DWC and Maximus Federal Services will also address questions that relate to the current IBR process during the webinar. Please submit questions in advance by way of email, no later than Wednesday, May 7th. And more bad news for the California economy. Toyota, Japan's biggest automaker, is relocating its sales and marketing operations from California to North Texas. The move to Plano, Texas will involve most of the 5,000 managers and employees at Toyota's current Texas, California headquarters. Texas has scored one of the biggest prizes so far in its very focused state-on-state battle with California to get companies to abandon the blue estate for the reddest one. Toyota has enjoyed a deep relationship with Texas through its $2.2 billion truck assembly complex near San Antonio. Toyota's oldest U.S. manufacturing operations are in Georgetown, Kentucky. The company now is making Corollas in Mississippi and exporting them to Latin America. It produces vehicles from Indiana to Alabama. And Toyota performs much of its engineering work in Michigan. The Toyota move mirrors the decision made by Nissan, leaving its U.S. sales headquarters in California and relocating Nissan North America to Nashville in 2006. According to the story in Forbes, the California's business climate is becoming an even bigger downer. California has become infamous for high tax rates and complex taxing schemes, but also for overzealous regulations and regulators that have managed to stifle the entrepreneurial energy of thousands of companies. Even Hollywood movie studios have been souring about producing flicks in California. About the only remaining pocket of dynamism in the California economy is Silicon Valley, where the mastery of the global digital economy by companies ranging from Google to Hewlett-Packard have been able to succeed despite the home state business landscape. In the annual Chief Executive Magazine's Best States or States Ranking, Texas has been holding on to the number one spot for a while. a while while California seems permanently relegated to number 50. That is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, for past editions of our news, and for much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.